This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mike check one two. <clears throat> Mike check one two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Hoes came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hey Chloe. How you doing? So I submitted to a screenplay competition this week. Wow. What's your screenplay about? It is about the way in which females react to things and so the it was originally I called it angry cry. I changed it and I don't want to say too much about it because I haven't copyrighted it yet, which I should probably do at some point. Um, but it's just kind of a way that females react to things and how we're taught to place emphasis in so like societal things that aren't always correct, such mm-hmm. as relationships that lead to marriage. We emphasize that over like self-worth and self-growth and yeah. It's that, but like, I mean, the storyline is just two gal pals that find out when it's being cheated on. But uh, there's that's the underlying like little themes. And well, that's really cool. Good for you. I love a boss lady. Thanks. I don't expect anything to come from it, but I think something that was really good about this competition was you can submit it with the option to um, get some notes back on it mm. for people that are. I don't don't know who they are, probably know more about screenplays than me. Um, And since I'm just starting out, I thought that was like a good option for me to get some feedback. I would love someone to kind of go in on this and be a little harsh because I'm I'm just getting started and I would like to, yeah, get some feedback and good feedback. Yeah, we'll see. What have you been up to this morning? Um, you know what? It's funny because I I really hate myself for talking about like exercising so much on the podcast. But, um, one thing that I noticed was that like, sometimes I notice I wake up and I get into more of like a negative thought process. Mm -hmm. And then, um, other days, like when I do exercise in the morning and I meditate and I have like a longer morning, I am just like a happier person for the rest of the day. And it started to show me that like, I mean, I guess we all know that self-care is important. Like we talk about it all the time, taking the time for yourself and everything else. But I think that like, I've been a little bit busier the last couple of weeks. And so I would be like, oh, I'll just like work out in the afternoon. Like maybe I'll get to it. Maybe I won't. Or um, skipping meditation on some days. And like in the beginning of quarantine, I was like pretty diligent on med- meditating every day. And like, definitely when I don't do those things, I feel like my anxiety is a lot higher. I just feel like when I am in like a solid routine of things that I know make me happy, I can respond to things with like a little bit more um, ease and like less defensiveness because I noticed in some of my like work meetings I would maybe if somebody was like giving me a criticism I'd respond like a little bit harsher and when I'm in my when I do all of the things that I like doing in the morning I can respond to things like okay yeah that's good feedback thanks for letting me know because that makes it so I'll do a better job going forward in the future um yeah, and I we're going to talk with our guest a little bit about the importance of self-care and um, 
yeah, and just making sure that you take care of yourself before you interact with other people. But yeah, one of the things that she talks about is making sure that before you work with other people or blame other people for your problems, that you're acknowledging how you're doing inside. So I think that um, it's just really important to check in with yourself and to ask yourself, why am I responding this way? How is this making me feel and why? Because I do think that so much of the way we treat other people is just a reflection of how we're feeling. All right. So today we're so excited to welcome Michelle to the podcast. Michelle is a writer working on a poetry book now and is a mom. And you're a new mom or? Yes. Well, kind of. I mean, she's going to be two soon. So fairly new. Yes. Okay. Her so daughter so is so cute. I was stalking yeah. her Instagram. <laughs> Thank you so much. We were super excited to have you and how I found you. Someone sent me um, the Twitter thread that you made that went viral which was really amazing. Um, it was the wounded inner child versus healthy adult in a connection thread. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to start off and just read a couple of those because they're just super powerful. And then just talk about kind of what your inspiration was in writing them, if that's okay. Sounds good. Cool, okay, so I have it put up now. Um, so it says, wounded inner child versus healthy adult in a connection, a thread. Wounded child, put an end to my loneliness, healing adult, be here while we continue to respect each other's right to be alone when warranted. Wounded child, you have to make me feel good. Healing adult, I take authority over my own feelings and anything you add to it, it feels like a blessing. Wounded child, give in. Healing adult, negotiate. Wounded child, never disappoint me. Healing adult, I accept you as whole and fallible and we'll cross that bridge if and when we get there. So those are just really amazing. And I think that they kind of speak to modern dating culture and kind of what we expect from partners. I think, you know, I, I heard someone else kind of talking about this on a podcast that it's kind of like we're expecting our partners to be our whole tribe. Like we're expecting like, you know, like you have to be funny and you have to like meet my needs. And I also have to be physically attracted to you, which is kind of different from, you know, like the past and how people formed relationships. So I just kind of wanted you to speak a little bit of like, what the motivation was in writing that, and like just kind of like what you were feeling in the moment? Um, for the past like four, well, four or five years, I've been more self-aware than I've ever been. And it's like before those four years, I felt like people just need to do what I say because I'm like, it's not me that's the problem, it's you. Why don't you just treat me nice? Why don't you just be a decent person? And over time, um, after going through various relationships and starting therapy, I was like, oh my goodness, this speaks volumes because it's not just what people do to us. It's why we're so impacted by their behavior. There's something about us too that needs to be worked on. And um, the inspiration behind the thread was from reading and therapy and YouTube videos. Um, the most recent book I read is How to Be an how to be an adult in adult sorry how to be an adult in relationships by david rico where he goes really in depth um into how the wounded child looks in a relationship and how an adult looks in a relationship and going through the list and everything he breaks down it seemed so similar and it's also nice to know that you know i've made strides um when it comes to at least healing um but yeah, we, I feel like as adults don't realize, you know, how we're coming into the connection. We just see other people not doing what we want them to do. We feel like it's common sense. We feel like they should be decent human beings and we feel like they should 
follow our curriculum and we have to understand that they're also a wounded child or you know what I mean like we have to take care of ourselves first and the inspiration behind that whole thing was um, from the book that I read as well as you know doing my own inner work and having these like epiphanies left and right at almost 30 but whatever it's fine (laughs) so well and I'm curious in your own therapy work do you do inner child therapy most of it was just addressing okay so in this current situation you're going through xyz with this Mm -hmm. person and you feel this way what part of it is your inner child and then I would say well you know, they're not responding me, responding to me as much as I'd like, or they're not giving me much attention. And it makes me feel this way. And then we would go back and say like, okay, where did, of course their behavior is not okay, but it's like, let's talk about you. Mm -hmm. Are you um, feeling the way you feel? And why do you keep going back for seconds? And so um, most of it, the inner child therapy thing We didn't really address it, but, you know, having a therapist that understands what that looks like and feels like and maybe goes over it is important. But I kind of discovered that through my own research and reading and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was interested because with my therapist, I do a lot of inner child work. And a lot of what my therapist works on is like getting you to accept different parts of yourself. So you have like a protector part, you have a defender part. um, And then all of these parts like interact with your inner child. And for me, I have a lot of trouble like tying my inner child with my adult human being. So I really resonated with your thread because um, there's a lot, I think, that I have trouble accepting about who I was when I was younger. And a lot of what I work on in therapy is like bringing my younger self to the forefront and making sure that her needs are being met like with myself as an adult. They say an easier way to, I found, to tackle these issues and make sure your inner child, their needs are met is now you're an adult, you can choose your environment, you can choose the people you interact with. Everything is a choice now. No one's forcing you to talk to this person or that person or go through this or that. Unfortunately, as a child, we didn't, we didn't have a choice choosing yeah. our environment or who was around us. But now we get to reparent ourselves. And the easiest way for me to do that was, you know, I know this sounds tacky, but it's pretending there's two of me. And every time I respond to a text message or answer a phone call or go to someone's house, I picture myself holding my inner child's hand and saying, okay, this is what we're going to put you through. It feels more conscious and it feels more deliberate when you know you're taking your inner child through something. And it's like, is this going to be worth it? Is this going to be nice? Is this going to be pleasant? Does this person have our well-being um, in mind? You know, instead of just you being on autopilot and dealing with people that don't have your best interest at heart or doing things to yourself that aren't so nice or talking to yourself in a way that's not so nice. You keep, you picture that inner child and it's like, you're, you're your own spokesperson. They can't speak up. You have to speak up. So I kind of detach the adults from the child and make sure that what I'm doing puts them in the best lights, so to speak. Do you think that becomes any easier when you're a parent and you know how to interact with children? (laughs) Yes. I feel like now having a child and having a physical child, it makes sense. It's like, okay, this is how I want her life to be. And this is how I want her to be treated. 
and seeing her being treated in a nice way and seeing myself obviously treat her in a nice way because I adore her, it makes me feel like I get a second chance. Mm -hmm. so in showing other people love, in showing other people respect, it's like this is what I would have loved to feel. And I get to feel that while showing it. I feel like I have this realization like you were talking about earlier, like in terms of like responding to texts and like being aware of how you're responding. Like, cause like I'm on the dating apps and I'm talking to people and it's hard because you get this advice of like looking out for red flags, right. Of like, just to protect yourself and keep your guard up. But like at the same time, you know, this guy that I was talking to the other day said something that was like a little bit off, but my neighbor was like, you know, no one's going to act perfectly. Like you don't act perfectly to him. Like you have probably said things that have like, you know, maybe not rubbed him the right way. So like, I don't know. It's kind of this balance of like being aware that no one is going to act perfectly. And like, what is perfect anyway, the way that you want them to act. And like also kind of just like looking out for these signs of like disrespect too. Yeah, for sure. We have to be conscious and it's, I'm really glad that you said that because I went through multiple dates where I'm looking back and I'm like, I don't even think I was there mentally. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a disturbing way. I mean, we get so like excited and caught up and it's, you miss so many things. And mm -hmm. looking back, it's like, you should, I know now that I should take things slower. I know that I should, and I don't mean slower in the sense like, oh, wait, X amount of months to have sex or you know wait this amount of time to call them I'm saying just be deliberate about the things you say and about how you feel and be present in your body because when we notice things right away we're more we're more prepared to act on it as it comes up versus just letting it keep flying over your head and before you know it you live with someone a year later and you find out that they feel this way about women or this is how they look at politics or this is how they think about kids and it's like how am I just finding this out and it's like people will always show you who they are we just don't pay attention right no it's totally a balance because I think when these things come up my friends always give me this advice of like put that away don't like you know don't put it away completely just note it and then if it see if it becomes a pattern right like it's like I have a tendency just because and like Lauren missed this like I'm very impatient so if I see something wrong I'm kind of quick to be like hey you said this and it was really weird instead of just like kind of like letting them unfold and seeing who they are because sometimes it is just kind of a one-off thing and sometimes it is a pattern so I think like just kind of noting it and seeing how it makes you feel and then just being like okay that's there let's see if it comes up again it's yeah, probably the best yeah yeah that's good I like yeah. that yeah and what made you um decide like okay I'm going to share my work and my research with the world I feel like when I found out the things that I found out, I just, I get excited and I just want to show people like, oh my God, this is how it should be. Have you tried it this way? And I think that's just part of my personality of wanting to show everyone, like, look at the shiny thing I discovered <laughs> and a deal. And I don't know, naturally, I'm just a very people person and knowing that I, I can't keep it to myself because... I just get so excited at the amount of growth I've seen in myself. And I don't like shove it in people's faces. Like, did you know that they're attachment styles? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited and I, I want to help others because I wish I had that help growing up. I would have, I would have been able to avoid a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, same. I was just having this conversation with my friend, like our generation, like 
we are lucky in the sense that like mental health and these things are like being more and more encouraged. Whereas like when you look at our parents and you look at our attachment styles to them, like they didn't really have this like positivity around mental health. You know what I mean? It was kind of like go to work, go home, like feed your kids and that's it. But like, we are kind of lucky in that there are these platforms to like put that stuff out there. We're really lucky the amount of resources we have. And it's like, on social media too there's so many like apps that i or not apps i'm sorry accounts that i follow that just break down everything from you know inner childhood wounds to how to be a healthy adult it's just there you don't even have to go out of your way to learn these things because everyone is just like going through something learning and then putting it out there for other people it's like passing the torch like i went through something this is what i got from it here and i really admire that and i can't help but also do the same for others yeah well, and what was it like receiving the kind of response that you received from when your Twitter thread went viral? Um, it was really, it was a, I don't know, it was a variety of emotions. Number one, it was heartbreaking to know that so many people have felt the same thing mm-hmm. and come from similar backgrounds as far as like dealing with abuse, whether it's with our parents, with past partners, and knowing that we got to be the way we are, not because we were born that way, but other people had some kind of impact on us. And then it turned out to be, we, we ended up being this concoction of experiences that people put on us. And I, and I stress enough, I can't stress enough. I'm sorry that we're not born broken over time. Things happen and we're tainted obviously, but who we are on a very microscopic fine tooth comb, whatever is something that is pure and lovable and is absolutely just fine the way it is. And I think once people understand that they're unconditionally loved just for being alive, not for doing anything, um, it helps make us more willing to change. It helps makes us, I don't know, feel feel like we belong. And mm-hmm. seeing responses from people that had a similar experience or had similar experiences, it was heartbreaking, but it also let me feel like I wasn't alone. And it also... I'm not going to lie. It boosted my ego like a lot, but my spirit felt like, oh, this is, this is good. There's other people getting help. And it was just a Twitter thread, but still, I feel like, I don't know. It just, it helped me know that I'm growing and I'm helping others also in whatever way that I can. Well, and don't you also feel like our world would be a better place if everyone like had that information earlier on, like, and all of these negative interactions that we're talking about, like could have been avoided earlier if we all had that like emotional intelligence. I I wish that I knew the things I knew now, but I keep beating myself, beating myself up sometimes over it. But it's like, there's, there's not much you can do. You did then what you could with what you knew and what you had. And that's just what it is. Um, but I do, I do, I'm grateful that I know the things I do know, and I'm so open to knowing more from others and passing on what I do know. But yeah, I wish we did all know the things we, we should know to be better people. Yeah. I love the, yeah, like, just like forgiving yourself and being like, I was just a different person then. And I didn't know that, like, cause I used to have such a hard time. Like I would just harp on like my past mistakes and be like, you know, why did you do that? And like beat myself up, but I've gotten so much better at like, I can't go back and change it. I did the best I could at the time. 
And I was just wondering if you had any like kind of advice on daily practices or things that you've kind of done, whether it be like mindfulness or meditation or just kind of things that like keep you centered. Well, really quick to harp on, on you saying that you are learning to figure, forgive yourself about the past. Mm -hmm. One thing I've learned is that the past is indeed a fact. It happened and that is not changeable. But what is changeable is the impact it's had on us mm -hmm. and change that by becoming better and growing. You know what I mean? Like something happens to an environment, it's there, but that environment can grow and change around it. So it changes everything. That's that. And as far as like being more mindful and putting into practice how to be a healthier adult, the number one thing is for me is self-awareness. I love watching myself interact with people and knowing that, okay, this is practice. And I love looking at every interaction as an opportunity for me to say I am who I want to be. So mm -hmm. instead of approaching my friends and saying, okay, here we go. It's more like, okay, Michelle, you know how you said you were patient and that you're kind and that you're understanding? Here's a, here's a chance to prove that. So it's kind of like setting an intention before you enter a room, before you make a phone call, before you um, go on a trip or whatever. You're entering it knowing who you are, not about the people that are around you. Of course, you're going to take into account who you're dealing with, but it's better to understand that the only thing you have control over is yourself. And mm -hmm. so if you get the intention that I am smart, I'm lovable, I'm pleasant, and you embody that every time you step into a room, you're remembering like, okay, let me prove to myself that this is who I am. So self-awareness, first of all. Um, and then, of course, obviously we're not perfect, so it's going to happen where you're cranky. Healing isn't linear, we'll never be perfect, mm -hmm. but it's also being self-aware in the fact that, okay, I snapped or I did this or I did that, but the unconditional love that is there for me doesn't flinch. It doesn't move. It doesn't react to what I do. It's not to excuse your behavior, but it's to teach you self-compassion. If I do something wrong and I know that, you know, my parents or whatever is still going to be there, I'm going to be more willing to show myself compassion and want to change. But if I know that um, if I do something wrong, that that love leaves, I'm going to be like, well, what's the point? People need to understand that it doesn't matter what they do, um, who they are on a very fundamental level is someone who's whole and perfect. It I'm so glad we're doing this talk this week because my therapist is on vacation right now and uh, I needed this. <laughs> it's so you your behavior basically to sum that all up. You're not your behavior. We should take accountability for our behavior, but um, we're not what we do. Um, we are the people that are trying to change that or make be yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice. I was, um, I'm taking like a Zoom acting class now too. And uh, you were just doing like these bad afterthoughts of like reasons that like you won't make it in the industry. And like, I went through one last night of like, you know, I just, I look like a million other girls out here trying to like do the same thing. Like I'm not special is basically what we broke it down to. And this girl had to do this long line for me of like the people that she thought I looked like. And she's like, it's funny that you say that because I was having like such a hard time coming up with one because you're like, I just feel like you're really unique and you're like, like no one I've ever met. And like, I got like emotional because I was like, people don't see, like people can't see your negative thoughts and like people don't see like the, like the negative things you put on yourself like other people don't notice that. Like, and it's just, we're like, we're so quick to just beat ourselves up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I also feel like talking to you gives me a lot of hope for future generations because like you having this emotional intelligence, like you must just be such an incredible mom that it makes me feel like all the future generations and like our generation who cares about therapy and who cares about being emotionally intelligent. And the fact that so many people resonated with your thread just makes me feel like our generation is going to be such great parents. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be a complete 180. Yeah. Um, we're just going to be a much better, you know, species or humanity, whatever, because there's so much knowledge coming in and there's like a willingness to change and there's like a desperation to be better than the people before us. Yeah. Not to say that what they did isn't, you know, good. It's just to say we're now going to take over and we're going to do what we can with what we have. And I'm just so proud of the fact that I'm not the only, I'm, I'm not the only one. There's so many people who are just, they know so much and there's just, it's just this pure willingness to make things better and to change. You know what I mean? And we know yeah. that it starts with us. It starts at home. You change the world when you start with yourself. Because if I'm around someone who's working on them and they're like doing their own thing and they're positive or bubbly or themselves and there's just a love around them, I'm going to go home and I'm going to reflect on how it made me feel. They don't, they don't have to say anything to me. They don't have to force anything in my face. But people watch you. People notice you. And I think we don't take that into account. Just being you, you're doing something. Mm. You're doing something. I don't know how that looks to them or what it does. But just being you and minding your business, it causes a ripple effect. And you have an impact. And people forget that. And you like to pretend we're so small and insignificant. But I promise you, like, you matter. So I'm really, really happy to see you know how things progress as time goes on. Chloe loves to pinpoint when people say a really good quote. So I'm pinpointing it and I'm stealing something from Chloe. But you said, when you change, you change the world when you start with yourself. I think that is so great. Yeah, it's true. It's really, really true. Because I, I wasn't always this positive and happy person. I used to be really, really really negative and just like heavy and me and my friend Andrew would always joke around that when he's walking down the hallway there's like fawns and deers and like butterflies coming Mm -hmm. out but then when it's me it's like the woods closing (laughs) and it's like a creek and a snake so negative I was just angry at the world because I don't know I was just a negative person and obviously my childhood had an impact on that but I was I didn't question it I was I didn't Mm -hmm why I was the way I was I just thought it was my personality it's so crazy how whole personalities are formed from trauma and people think that's who they are and it's not and it's really sad because once you break out of that you're just like oh you know it's kind of cringe it's not cringe but it's it's just really eye-opening to see that this whole person person came out of something that wasn't you yeah when you break out of that it's amazing and then just like talking about like mediums, just like in terms that are healthy and like helping people. Like I'm watching um, this show on HBO now called I May Destroy You. And I feel like I've just been talking about it to everyone. But like in this most recent episode, she goes to therapy and she, um, like, I don't want to give too much of the show away, but she was like kind of a survivor of like a sexual assault. And then she has the investigation bag. She gets that back after they like, you know, we're doing things with the case. Um, and she's talking to her therapist and she's like, it's under my bed, like, you know, she, or her therapist, like, that's good that you got the bag back, like, what was it like opening that, and like, looking at your clothes from that night, 
she's like, oh, I don't know. It's under my bed along with like the rest of the stuff under there and like kind of like laughing. And it reminded me a lot of like what I do in therapy, which is just like make jokes with my therapist. And she's like, wait, let's explore that for a minute. And yeah. And then she kind of goes home and like goes under her bed and sees a lot of things that she just hasn't thought about in a while. And I think I do that a lot with like, you know, things that have happened to me in the past. I'm like, you know, that doesn't serve me. So I'm just not going to think about it anymore. And I kind of bury it and it comes back in a way that isn't always pleasant. And it's just like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you've ever kind of done some research on like, kind of like exploring like your past traumas and like healing from them. And like, I don't know, I guess good ways to think about them because I don't know, I don't think you need to think about it on the daily, but I think it's like, some people don't process it. And I think I've done that with like a lot of things in the past. Um, definitely, obviously, you know, therapy is helping or it would help if we wanted to go into the past and unlock all these rooms and undo all these things and be able to finally look at it. And I remember reading something from someone that says healing isn't like this beautiful thing. It's basically rummaging through a bunch of ruins and getting like one or two things that are like, okay, I'll keep these. Mm -hmm. It's such a messy, sad thing, but the, the process of it is a very beautiful thing at the same time because you're finally going through all this stuff just to find out why you got to be the way you are and undoing all of that and unlearning all of that. And I noticed you said that you're kind of like the character in a way that you like to, we call it humor coding, mm -hmm. where as a way of surviving, we're like, huh, I remember the time like my mom left me and I was like, oh my God. But it's like, you do that to survive and it helps you handle something very heavy. But people need to understand that Yes, that's a good thing to do, but understand that if you want to cry or if you want to not be so funny sometimes, you can. Yeah. And I know it helps to handle the heaviness, but also it's okay to look at how dark it is just mm -hmm. so you can process it. Right. And then before we get into the letter, I kind of want to talk like attachment styles a little bit because I, I do, like I realize that I have a little bit more of an anxious attachment style which I think has been categorized as, you know, unhealthy, I'm sure, like somewhere in some textbook, but I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know that I think like any attachment style is unhealthy. I think that like taking it to the max probably is and not knowing kind of how to control it. Like, just like, for example, like based on past dating experiences, I'm kind of like, oh, if things are going well, like inevitably something's going to go wrong. And I think that that's part of like my anxious attachment style. So I don't know if you've kind of explored that, like just different attachment styles and kind of like how to deal with them when you realize what yours is. Um, I started off very, very, very anxious. And it wasn't until, I don't know, I believe in energy and I feel like I attracted something that showed me me. And so for once, I was the one that was avoidant and the partner was the one that was anxious. And I was just like, this is what it looks like <laughs> and how to deal with that. I had compassion for the person, but I also had a lot of anger because anxiety, it just, you're taking someone who loves you for you and you're saying, be my parent. No one wants to raise another adult. And it's unfortunate because they would like to see you for you and they would like to know that you are whole in your own. But we get in these situations where fear shows up first and, you're, and anxiety is just us fighting all of that it doesn't exist we're worried about what could happen and it's like it doesn't exist let's take things a day at a time 
don't overanalyze the text message. Don't overanalyze why they're not calling you back right away. Don't overanalyze anything. You take it at face value and you understand that even if they are doing something or they're not giving you your the needs that you need met, understand that if the worst case scenario happens, you're going to be fine. I feel like anxiety comes from us feeling like we won't be able to handle it if it gets to worst case scenario. Not that I don't think we're worried about it happening, we're worried about not being able to handle it if it happens. Mm-hmm. And so with being anxious, I learned over time, when people are, I don't wanna use the word needy or clingy because it just has a negative connotation to it. And to be on the complete opposite side of that doesn't necessarily mean healthy either. I feel like a lot of avoidance think they're secure, which they're not, mm-hmm. just because you're not clingy or needy or just because You don't have to worry about blowing someone up on their phone. To be the complete opposite, cold, detached, distant, inconsistent, is also just as unhealthy. Mm -hmm. But they feel like, oh, well, I don't seem desperate. So no, you're a bottleneck of emotions. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with either side, but there's this like, I don't know, hierarchy of emotional pain and there shouldn't be. They're all the same. It all comes from fear. And so with anxiety and being anxious, what's helped me is knowing that I'm not responsible for this person. I don't own this person. If they want to do what they want to do, it has nothing to do with me. It doesn't matter if they decide to leave. It doesn't matter if they're not, you know, whatever they do, it doesn't affect my worth. And if things do come up and they disappoint me, we'll deal with it when it does. And I trust that I'll speak up for myself to say, hey, I don't like when you do this or it makes me feel this way. Understand that I trust myself that I'll be my own best spokesperson if it comes up, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I can't read this person's mind. They haven't told me anything, so I'm not going to make up anything. You know what I mean? I want to hear a little bit about your poetry book. It's basically like uh, poetry and prose, just about love and relationships, but it's more like a boost, a pick-me-up of some sort. It started off as me just going on about myself, but then over time it was more like I want to lift you up and it's more like a letter to the reader and I hope that it reaches the people it needs to reach. Well I have certainly been lifted up by this conversation Mm -hmm. and I know that the readers will be for sure and I do know someone else who could use a lift up and it happens to be our letter writer today. Dear damsels, no matter what I do, the same type of guy always seems to find me. Things are going great for the first part, but then they start to pull away or do something weird that makes me question their integrity. I try to overlook or minimize the red flag, but it always comes back around later and ultimately leads to the demise of my connection with this person. It makes it so hard for me to trust anyone when I'm dating. I have a problem getting a little too excited when things are going well and I'm vibing with a new connection, which makes it extra hard for me when it ultimately doesn't work out. I don't understand how I seemingly date the same type of terrible guy over and over again what can I do to attract the right type of partner in my life sincerely stuck in a cycle so I don't know I don't want to bring up woo stuff again but I definitely believe in energy and I think when we need to master something we're going to get the same lesson in different bodies so I 100% relate to this um to, to this reader or I'm sorry to this writer yeah. And I want all the woo-woo stuff, by the way. I'm all about the woo-woo stuff. Keep it coming. <laughs> Mastering self-love has been one of the toughest ones because we wish we had someone along 
with us while we did those things but it's like for some of us our journeys don't look that look that way we're lucky if we do have someone with us while we're learning to love ourselves a little more to say no you're not crazy yes i love you yes i'll see you in the morning but not all of us get that when we need to master something we will meet the same energy in different people because something is saying you keep choosing these people instead of choosing you sometimes self-love is saying no over and over until the right thing shows up and it's doing it as quick as possible and acting accordingly and not waiting to see how red can this fly get you know what i mean and so when we are dealing with these inconsistent you know unreciprocated patterns i feel like we need to act accordingly by showing up for ourselves and saying this isn't working for me and saying no that's all it is to say no don't wait and to see if they'll finally choose you or if they'll finally change as long as we know that this isn't fitting this doesn't feel right we're not going to stick around unless you're a family member or a friend i'm not going to put in any kind of work to make this better if i just met you if right away i mean unless it's circumstantial and like maybe something happened you're I don't know god forbid somebody in your family passed away or just something happens and all of a sudden you know you're inconsistent or i don't hear from you that's different but if i see a pattern i'm going to be again my own spokesperson and say you know this michelle doesn't deserve this and we're going to go now and so it gets better when you start showing up for yourself and speaking up the second part of her letter said something about she gets really excited and you know they do something that lets her to question her integrity and something that i've noticed with myself that i do is like i used to get lost in people and i would make a home out of them right away and i've noticed that just like any other relationship needs work the relationship with ourselves needs work and it doesn't change just because someone else new shows up and that's where we mess up i meet someone that i really like and all of a sudden skincare routine goes out of the window i stop going to the gym I stop having my alone time to read. People are fickle and they're going to disappoint us. So that relationship you have with yourself, it can't change. I mean, you can compromise and like fit them in your schedule, but that can't let up because when they disappoint us, the road back to ourselves is a walk of shame because you shouldn't have let yourself to begin with. And we do that every time. So when you have something intact like a routine with yourself or just a day out of the whole week where it's just you taking care of yourself because when people do what they do the blow won't feel so heavy or the impact won't be so strong that we have to completely recalibrate and find ourselves again if you had your routine in place if you had the practice in place and you kept doing it it will be like a slight tower moment where everything comes crashing down but it's not as hard to pick yourself back up because you never left yourself to begin with. I think we need to keep being mindful of knowing that we can't keep abandoning ourselves when someone new shows up. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeless. A hopeful romantic and I love the cute stuff. I love spending time with, you know, the person I care about, but I love me too. And it doesn't when you leave, I'm going to be the one to have to deal with it. So I have to make sure I keep that love with me and show that love to myself. You know what I mean? And we We get so excited and we we take our happiness and we put it in the hands of other people like you're here now this is your job no it's not you have the best quotes though i love what you said the road back to yourself is a walk of shame or becomes a walk that is such a good analogy i was like yeah. it's so true it's so true yeah. yeah and i i love what you talk about um with how 
you need to address yourself before you start putting the blame onto everyone else. Because this letter writer, she says, seemingly date the same type of terrible guy over and over again. And I relate to that too, because I think, so just a little backstory, I was a serial dater. I would always have a boyfriend, 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 um, until I started doing a lot of inner work and I've been dating someone for five years. So we joke that I'm a recovered serial dater. But um, I think that I used to brand like, oh, I always go for the wrong type of guy. I always, um, you know, they're all the same. Like I go for assholes. And really when I look back on it now, I don't think they were assholes. I think they were all very different people. Um, and I don't think I was even looking to see, and I've talked about this before, like how compatible I actually was with that person because I think I was feeling a void and I just wanted to have a boyfriend. So it really didn't matter who they were. And that's what I think that is important for this letter writer to look at, like rather than just trying to find someone to fill a void, I think you really should be looking at the type of person they are and doing a lot of your own inner work and everything that you've talked about today. Because I do think developing your relationship with yourself then helps you so much in developing relationships with other people and allowing someone to come in. Because I really, I think it would be really hard in actuality to date the same type of person all the time. I think they're probably different, but I think the way you're responding to them is probably the same. And that's where you're having the issue. Absolutely. Yes. And when you get so used to taking care of yourself and choosing the good things, when something repulsive comes along, it's going to be so easy to be like, no, thank you. Because yeah. you're not used to treating yourself better and, you know, being around what makes you feel good, that anything that used to be familiar is going to be just a huge detour. You're not going to be so comfortable to want to go with it or see how bad it can get. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was this tick, not that TikTok is super deep, but there are like some good quotes on it. And this girl the other day was like, when someone like when I'm talking to a guy and he does something that disappoints me. Like, I don't like tell myself that I'm mad. I'm just less interested because it's like that should, the behavior should be repulsive to you. And there was this other podcast who talked about, you know, the age old story of this girl who kept dating this guy who didn't want to be in a relationship and she did, but they were dating for like over a year going on trips and he was kind of getting all the benefits of the relationship without actually locking it down, which I have admittedly done so before. I can't do that for too long. I don't think I could do it for a year like she did. That's a lot. But like the guy was saying, the guy that was giving advice was like, at some point you have to go to the table and be like, I, I can't accept this anymore without any a label on it because that's what I want. And it's like, you know, I, I do think in a sense, you know, when this happens to people, they are the victim, but you can't just assume the victim mentality for too long because at some points it's kind of a choice, you know, like, you have to choose to walk away and set a boundary. And you were saying that, like, how red are you going to let the flag get? Like, it's there. They've shown you who they are. Like, you, now it's your turn to respond to it and walk away if you need to. Exactly. Yes. And I think we go off potential. Mm -hmm. We stick around because we think, okay, well, it might get better. Or they might show up and start being the person that I want them to be. Or, you know... We just started talking, but we'll we'll be dating. So no, we're not going off potential. Potential isn't real. We're going off what happened today, how we talked today, what you said to me today, how I felt today. I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. I don't know how good it's going to get. And we keep thinking potential is real. And we would like for it to be real, but it's really not. So you have to go off what people give you at face value. And like you said, in the moment too, because I think a lot of times with avoidance, it's like, 
it's really good in the beginning. And it's like this rush of endorphins and this love and stuff. And it's funny, I was watching uh, We Found Love the other day, the Rihanna music video about her relationship with Chris Brown. And there's this point where they're at the casino and like putting all this money into the slot and it keeps saying like loser. And I'm like, that's such a good analogy for when you have a really beginning of a good relationship and it starts to go bad and you keep trying to get back to where you were in the beginning and you just can't. And like you said, day by day, you have to see how they're treating you. And if you're having more bad days than good days, like you got to kind of reassess things and be like, this wasn't the relationship that I initially entered into. Yeah, the thing about attachment styles is the anxious person gives and gives in an effort to abandon self and hopefully get you in return, whereas the avoidant doesn't want to give any self because they feel like they'll lose what they have. Most avoidant people got that way because, you know, their caregivers around them just kept taking from them and they probably were in an environment where they had to be a parent at like 10 or 11 or whatever and people kept needing them. And an avoidant person, I feel like, feels... If I give you what you're asking for, you're going to keep wanting more. And they need to know that they're safe to set up boundaries and they need to know that they're their own person. I'm not here to take anything from you because I have enough love for me, but it would be nice if you were a mirror for that. You know what I mean? An anxious person needs to feel safe, you know, just as much as an avoidant person needs to feel safe. One is giving so much and it's like they don't know that they deserve to be fought for as well. And the avoidant person is taking and taking, but they don't want to give because you'll take everything from you. You can't give or take anyone's power. And that's an illusion a lot of us keep believing and tapping into, you know? Yeah. If I could tell anyone anything to take away from this, if you know what's the very next thing to do if you struggle with being anxious or avoidance. Number one, understand that no one can take your power away. It's there. And number two, understand that you are your own spokesperson. Every interaction you get into, you're speaking up for yourself. You're taking your inner child there. If you don't feel bad treating yourself bad, you should feel bad about treating the child bad. When you put your inner child through someone being called, you know, verbally abusive names or being left on red for a month at a time, you should feel bad for that person if you don't feel bad for your adult self. Try to be more mindful about how these things make you feel. And the more you practice saying no to things you don't like, the more you practice letting love in, you're treading a new neural pathway and it becomes more familiar the more you do it. Just like practice with physical things, mental things take practice too. And the more you do it, the easier it is for you to tap into that each time something good happens or something bad happens. Hello, Michelle. This is so great. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Yes, and tell people where they can find you. I know you're pretty active on Twitter, right? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, underscore moi, Michelle, M-O-I, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And I should have my poetry book hopefully by the end of this month. So be on the lookout for that. Awesome. Well, congrats. We're so excited to read it. And thank you for coming on. This was great. Yeah, you guys are welcome for your free therapy session this week. Thank you. Okay. Before we talk about how wonderful Michelle is and how I actively want her to be my friend slash my therapist, we found love about Chris Brown. Okay. When that song was a hit, Calvin Harris played at Coachella. I was like in this, you know, area in front of Calvin Harris and 
Rihanna came from above. They had her like on a thing. I don't even know what it's called. Like a, a stage that was rising above and she walked through like the crowd, but on this riser thing. That's the last time I saw her and I miss her. I would do anything Rihanna asked me to do. Uh, yeah. She is just amazing. Yeah, you, your homework for before the podcast next week, who knows if we'll talk about it again. You need to go watch that music video because it's just so amazing. And anytime, like, I have, like, a party or, like, anything at my house, like, pre-COVID days, of course. But I would be like, we're putting on the We Found That music video. You are the queen of memes and TV references and, like, TikTok references. Like, you are so good at that. I don't know anyone who's, like, as good as bringing things up like that as you are. Well, uh, my brain at all times is, like, TikTok. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> It's a reality show quote, so like, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. I don't know if it's good or bad. I should meditate more. I don't know anything. (laughs) I feel like you can like reference anything pop culture related, like in news and stuff like that. And I'm like, in this book that I read. All right, guys. Well, until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.